Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Rise Peace. Uh, we're back. Ryan's been gone for a long time, but now he's back, and we haven't done one of these in a while, but excited to be back. I'm Ben Haller. Once again, with you, we got Ryan on the phone. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm doing amazing invitation in Florida. Yeah, how's, how's Tampa doing? How's Tampa been for you? I mean, it's been amazing. We got very lucky getting on our flight out. Um, almost didn't make it. We made it last second because uh, we were flying standby. Yeah. And we made it to our first plan. We had like 10 plans. Got out first try, and uh, it's been a pretty easy couple of days. Sounds fun. Um, so I, I assume you've been keeping up with some MLW League news and a couple series while you've been in Florida? Yes, uh, all the way. I'm right now working on a big project with MLW. I'm making an MLW Wikipedia page, but that's not working the greatest, so I'm making a wiki fandom right now um, and making it look like a Wikipedia page because that's all I can do. Yeah, it sounds good. Uh, I think we're all excited about that. Um, first sort of business uh, series that just stopped a few days ago, Gators and Mallards. Give me your initial thoughts on that series. So, avoiding the controversy for a few moments, I'd like to say one of the better series I've seen. The pitching was phenomenal, and I know while I would have loved to see more offense, it was pretty cool to see Trevor Bonham really bounce back and end up getting the nod for two games, um, which was a surprising move as he did not pitch well against the um, Magic. Yep. And uh, I thought the Gators kept showing why they are right now. I believe unless something drastic happens, they're going to run away with the NL. Yeah, I mean, that's what it looks like right now. But um, you said we're going to avoid controversy for a few moments, but we may want to open that up. A lot of people have been going crazy and not happy with the Gators, and they think they're cheating and uh, everything Jorgensen and Cheatham are doing. So what, what do you think of that? So I was right on top of that. Um, I was right down here in Florida, watched the video 17 seconds after it was posted, and I really paid attention, and I didn't think there's anything wrong. Um, I saw, I was like, hmm, they're throwing pretty hard today. I wonder if there's any warnings going out. Then I saw Bonham pitch. I was like, geez, Bonham is throwing pretty hard too. But because they kept playing and the pace didn't change, I just was like, cool. This was the first time in a long time I did not go through the comments section. Then um, when I listened to the Pipe It Up podcast, the most recent episode, then for a shock hearing uh, that people thought it was such a massive controversy. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know what, I'm, I'm going to say this. Everybody chill out. Like seriously, it was not... People don't understand how often stuff like that happens with other guys in the league, with Kratz. And even you saw Bottom was throwing hard. It's so unfair to say that it's a one-sided um, one topic just about the Gators. And I know a lot of people are going to be unhappy with me saying that. But I don't see there's much of a problem. I actually really like the fact that um, they're moving the mound back. Not because of the speed or anything, but because I think... The pitching's been so good that it's starting not I'm not gonna say it's not fun to watch, but it's starting to become less fun to watch, I think, when there's and that's just pers that's just me personally, but I've talked to people about this and they've agreed 
we want to see more hitting, and I think that's what we're going to get with moving the mound back and enforcing the speed limit a little bit more. Yeah, and I'm going to kind of release a spoiler. I, I know some of you guys who are listening right now have not uh, watched all the Instagram lives or the Instagram TV posts they make. But, so it's a spoiler alert. Pause it for a few seconds and skip 25 seconds. The Gators beat the Predators in game two. You can't, and that was after they moved the mound back. The mound has been moved back since that series. So you cannot tell me that the Gators, that just because they were throwing harder equals they were cheating. No, they won after they were limited in what they could do against the Predators. I think they won two or three to nothing. You cannot tell me the Gators are not a legitimate team right now. I mean, yeah, I don't know who pitched that game. I wasn't able to watch that game, but um, was it Cheatham against Warda? I I can't remember, but I I think it, they might have put Georgie out there against Crash. I'm not sure. Okay, well, <clears throat> I definitely think Jorgensen is legit. I think he's already established himself as a top ten player in the league and a top five. Ugh, that's tough. I might. I think I'm going to give him. Mm, I don't know. Top five pitcher in the league. Uh, I'm not. He's thinking, certainly on his way. Yeah, and it's only his first year, which is crazy to me. So, I think he's fine. Maybe he threw a little bit hard, but it's not that big of a deal. It happens all the time. Uh, I don't know why people are going so crazy about it. I think people, I think people aren't happy with how much hype the Gators are getting, just because no one expected this to happen. So they are getting a lot of hype right now, and people don't really want people kind of want to take that away from them. So I think that's part of it. But I also think I don't know. A lot of fans, a lot of fans in the league cling on to different teams. So. I, don't, I think that's what it is. I think non-Gators fans aren't happy. Well, honestly, I'm because I mean I'm a Gators and Wildcats fan. I've talked about it very openly. I'm not ashamed to admit that I liked the Gators when they won two games. Yeah. But here's my take on why people are being so mad. If you look at the demographics right now of the MLW, I know in the most recent Pipe It Up episode, I keep referencing that. That's kind of where we got this whole push to start this podcast yeah um if you listen to it you heard kyle talking about how the demographics they always say it's a bunch of 10 year olds but there's older demographics well to be honest i felt it's a younger demographic than you'd expect but it's older too it's more those um late middle school early high school i think that are the true fans and throughout high school and above then you get to the earlier fans and you just look they have they've gotten almost 50,000 subscribers in the past three months alone yeah so there's an influx of new fans and I think these fans just want to say what they want to say because hey I can get my voice heard yeah <clears throat> um yeah I think people are like once again I just think people need to calm down the Gators are still a really good team Mallards, I think it got in their heads a little bit. If you listen to Pipe It Up, Tommy talked about how he, you know, it wasn't unhittable or anything, which is kind of, which is kind of what the speed limit rule is. If you if you yeah, heard this- Kyle, it's to make sure you can hit the ball. And Tommy, like you said, he was making good contact at the end of the series, and he said that it was not unhittable. 
but he did say a lot of his teammates were kind of complaining and that might have messed with their attitude and gotten their head a little bit. So that so it might have just been a domino effect with that with the Gators winning all three games. Yeah, I mean, you look and Tommy's the co-commissioner of the MLW. So if you have the co-commissioner Yeah. I think we lost you, Ryan. He's saying it was hittable. There you go. It's just my teammates kind of got a little upset that they weren't hitting it. It shows more than anything that Tommy didn't care. He just realized they were getting outplayed. Yeah. It's... I want to give a lot of respect to Tommy for making that statement. It's very easy to make excuses when you lose and... um, I think it's big of Tommy to say, you know, like, you know, we just got outplayed. And that just speaks to what kind of person Tommy is and what kind of commissioner and how he cares about the league more than he cares about himself. So I think that was pretty cool to hear. But, um, yeah, the math Mallard's hitting was not very good and has not been good the first couple games. Dabrico, we expected a lot of this season. You know, it's his farewell season, and he only has, I think, two hits on the year. So it's not it's not what anybody was expecting, and I don't think the Mallets have any shot if he doesn't step up. Yeah, I mean, Dabrico's is last year. I know I've been asked plenty of times, wait, is this really Dabrico's last year? How do you know? And I just referenced uh, your interview with him. Um, but you look, and it's shocking because... I expected Dabrico to go on in 2017 tear. A last, I mean, like I've said before, last year he hit better than his MVP season. I was expecting him to do even better and just say, hey, look at me, I'm retiring, I'm going out with a bang. And he just, he doesn't seem like the same player, to be honest, right now. His it- swing is, it's like almost like he's swinging halfway. His swing was always like a caveman swing as it's been called before. Hmm. But right now, it seems like he's poking at the ball. It doesn't seem like he cares as much as he used to. Yeah, I mean, I- I've noticed that with a bunch of players. I know I know it's early season. They probably haven't played in eight, nine months. But at the same time, it is a professional league right now, and I know that it's competitive. Um but it just seems like so many players are kind of losing momentum. And you wonder how many of these players, it's really their last year, but they haven't announced that yet. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think we're going to see Drew Davis leave anytime soon. Um, but I think if once Drew Davis leaves, I think that's when the new era of MLW players will be ushered in. And I know that's kind of a bold statement, but... Drew Davis, if you look, he has brought so many fans to the game in a way. He's been yeah. such a big personality. I mean, you either love him or hate him. Yeah. And he is also one of the best players in the league all around. Yeah, and it's funny how his game is. I, if you ever meet him or personally, he's a really nice, personable guy. He's, he's not always how he acts on the field so I think it's interesting for someone like him if you listen to Pipe It Up it's like all, it's someone who all the players like to make fun of 
because he's easy to make fun of. But I mean, he is a really nice guy, and he stirs things up on the field, and he obviously is very, very good all around. Only giving up one run in six innings last series against the Preds. You're still on? Sorry, I lost uh, connection for a second. Yeah, I'm on. I was just talking about how Drew Davis is uh, kind of how he is off the field and how, like, he's not always what he's like on the field, off the field, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, I agree because uh, I know I've talked to Noah before. He's the same. He's a really nice guy. I mean, he's got the villain persona in the league, but he's a really nice guy. Yeah, and... Let's say right now he's not looking like a very good villain. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I like what you kind of said. Drew Davis seems like he's like kind of one of the younger players of the generation. I'd also throw like Daniel Schultz in that category. I think him and Drew are one year apart. So kind of like them and like all the Eagles players are kind of the same age, I think, so... I think once they're kind of ushered out, then it's going to be a totally new league. I mean, you look right now, it's already a totally different league. I know I asked Kyle as a question just because um, I'm trying to write that wiki page. And he said that they're playing and sticking with the same three, the same three expansion teams. So a eight-game eight game league for at least the next few years. Yeah. And I think these next two, three years are going to be crucial in the MLW, whether or not it continues to grow and it ends up becoming a legitimate career for some of these guys, or if it's just going to, if it's going to to sort of, it's going to stay popular, but the league itself, like the inner, is going to slowly shrink and we're going to drop down to six, maybe even four teams. Yeah. It all depends on how many people like show up to things like the winter leagues into the tournaments and how many players that can get into the league. But like back to what we were saying about Drew Davis and kind of something that'd be interesting. I, I had a bold actually I don't even think it's a bold take, but a very it is a bold statement. I was talking about how Gavin Nareski really with with him not pitching well and not even being the team starting pitcher anymore. And him not being able to hit at all. Gavin Oreski really does not bring any value to his team. But it's an, un- an unfortunate situation because he's the manager. The thing for me and Oreski, I think this is the first time we've disagreed on the podcast. <laughs> we were just talking about this yesterday, saying we wanted to disagree more. Um, I think he actually brings an important leadership skill. And I know what you mean, he's a pitcher only in baseball, which I was truly surprised to learn. Um when I was listening to the podcast, but it makes sense. If you look at his swings, they look like a pitcher's swings. Yeah. But what I will have to say is, I think he brings a lot of value to his team with this calm and cool demeanor. He's, in some ways, I truly think that he's almost as focused and almost as unshakable as Dan. Like, and that's like probably another bold statement because Daniel Schultz is known as the most unshakable player in the MLW, but watching Nareski, he just keeps like a stone face the whole time he's pitching, and then he laughs when he hits because he knows he's a pitcher. Yeah. What what I'm going to say is I think the Diamondbacks are at such a low point right now is next year. Honestly, I feel like their best roster would be 
Ben Wilson, Jimmy North, and Mason Jewell. I mean, Lucier hasn't been showing up. Mitchell Teal, I think everyone agrees on that, is just isn't doesn't have enough talent for the league to make any contributions to the league. But I think Noreski needs to step it up. Like you said, he's got good leadership, and but if he's not even going to start for the team anymore, it doesn't seem like he brings much value. Yeah, I I can see it. I just think he brings. I think leader. I mean, I don't know how big you are into hockey. I don't think you're that big. Yeah. Um, but this is a big thing for me because I play hockey and baseball, and one of the biggest things for my teams was chemistry and leadership on the teams. Yeah, I, it does go a long way. But I just think the Diamondbacks, if they don't that's want, what I think that's what Gavin Gretzky brings. He brings more. I think he just brings value more, not skill wise. I will agree with that. Unless he starts hitting better and or finally pitching again, the way he pitched last year, which honestly he pitched pretty well last year. Yeah, especially um, towards the end of the season. Unless he brings his skill back up, I the only the only value he brings is in that leadership and chemistry department. Because they're the the D backs. The other thing they were talking about the podcast um, MLW and Kyle and Tommy. They're all from, they're not from Brighton. They're from Marenzi, I believe. Yeah. And the thing is, they don't know anybody else really in the league that well. And they're like they're known as the quietest team. Like Drew Davis didn't even know who their players were. Yeah. Like, and then Tommy even admitted that once la- during the NLCS last year, he was like, "Who's this kid?" In his head, like. Yeah. Tommy is the co-commissioner. You'd expect him to know everybody. Mm-hmm. But I just think the Diamondbacks are at a very low point right now. Maybe they can turn it around. Maybe I'll be wrong. But I think a kind of restart would be big for them to go to next year. But kind of what I was saying with that was, when are we going to start to see non-player managers? Ooh, that's a very interesting topic. So I know in my own personal wiffle ball league, I've been approached with this idea numerous times. Um, but I keep saying, no, let's keep it with team players because the players in our league have trouble showing up as it is. And the people that they're suggesting to be the managers while not players would never tell me anything. Yeah. Um, so, but... I honestly see that as a possibility such I think a current player who might no longer be a player in a couple of years but might stay as a manager just kind of managing remotely almost would be Jack Adner. I could see that. And I see because we know that he even said I think it was in an interview he had with uh, Ben Ben Schaefer yeah. um, on his YouTube channel I think he said um that he doesn't know how long he's going to be able to play on the Magic. Yeah. Even though he started the team, he said he doesn't know how long he'll be able to play. But I see him as someone who just loves the league as much as he does. I mean, on his Instagram account, he made a hype video for himself. Yeah. And so I could really see him maybe stepping down as a player because he moves away for a job opportunity or... He goes, because I know he's a lacrosse player. Let's say he goes, plays professional lacrosse. Yeah. I could see him kind of using the technology that we know we have available, managing the uh, magic and showing up once in a while just to 
kind of be the presence. Yeah, I agree. I could also see somebody like Brendan Schultz. I think he's the oldest player in the league. I could see him doing something like that when he gets older. Yeah, because I know he wasn't even supposed to play this year. He was supposed to be in Italy. Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, he's got that. We've said it before. Brendan Schultz is one of the most underrated players in the league. And that has to do with both his skill level that he has, but also with his massive leadership qualities. Yeah, and that kind of brings us into our next topic. Uh, MLW just posted on their Instagram a video of Zerlag and Davis in the uh, trade they just made and um, said, if the Gators finish this well, do you think Zerlag will take home manager of the year? Yes. That kind of reminds me. So, first of all, to say that question, I'd say probably yes. I mean, it makes the most sense. It's the most logical pick. I mean, you know, you take your wins. You already got three three more wins than he had last season in only two series. And all because he made a couple trades. Or all because he made one trade and a couple good draft picks. But I commented this. Everyone thinks, since it's obviously a good trade for the Gators, everyone thinks that means it's a bad trade from the Cobras and, like, the Cobras lost the trade or something like that. Which is, is untrue. It's so not true. Because... The Cobras were not going to use a, a rookie. They have four guys they're perfectly comfortable with, and I don't think they take any rookie over the four guys they have, unless it's, say, Jorgensen or Chadwick or something like that. But they have Drew Davis, who's their captain and one of the best players in the league, Andy Durand, who's currently, so far this season, has been the best hitter in the league, Brendan Schultz, who's irreplaceable for his... Uh, for his experience and his leadership, and then Sean Flynn is young talent that they definitely want to hold on to. And as we know, no team in the right mind wants to go with the roster of more than four guys. So I don't see them using a rookie. And what it does for next season is, if they weren't happy with this season and maybe want to deal, or maybe want to trade it away a couple of the players, they have two draft picks to give them good picks next year. Or it gives them the power, gives them trading power. They can make a couple more trades and give away the two draft picks they have next year. So I don't think by any means it was a bad trade for the Cobras. I actually never saw it that way, and now I see it that way. It kind of opened my mind to that. The way I always saw the trade was Drew Davis just didn't feel like any talent at the Winter League was going to help his team. And I think Drew knew from the start of the year that this, I I think it's either going to be Gators, Predators, or Cobras, Predators in the World Series, Cobras, Gators in the World Series. For the reason I think the Cobras have a serious chance at going to the World Series and honestly winning it all is because this seems like the team that finally has it all put together. Look, I don't care what you say. The Cobras are the Cobras have the best all around roster in the league. Ooh, that's a really bold take. Especially hitting wise. And when you have Drew Davis pitching as well as he does, the only thing they're missing is a second pitcher. Like yeah, I said, I know. Andy Sean. Durand right now is the best hitter in the league in the first couple series. Once again, uh what, you, you can say whatever you want, but Andy Duran, if you look at his numbers, leads the league in RBIs. The second he has almost twice as many RBIs as the second, uh, the second highest guy. 
has a 293 average, which is good for second best in the league. Two home runs, once again, good for second best in the league. So that, to me, right there, shows me that Andrew Durant is the best hitter in the league, and Davis is second best pitcher in the league right now. And then you have the young talent in Sean Flynn and the experience and leadership in Brendan Schultz. No team has all all of those. I would have to agree. I mean, I think another topic we might get to, I've, I've got about 10 minutes left here. A topic I think we should get to before then, we got to talk about the Wildcats. Um, I know we've only seen one series, and I know uh, another spoiler, skip like five seconds if you're listening. I know the Wildcats beat the Magic game two of the live, yeah. but they do not seem like they have a legitimate chance anymore at the playoffs just based on the small portion size we've gotten at them. And I know that's prob- it's probably very early to say that, but other unless they get they need Aguilar right now in a big way. I've said this many times. Last season the Wildcats may have been better than the Magic. The difference in who made the playoffs was how much easier the Magic schedule was than the Wildcats. The two interleague games the Magic had were the Diamondbacks and the Gators. The two interleague games the Wildcats had were the Mallards and the Eagles. So that right there is such a big difference, and they swapped this year. Wildcats yeah, now mean- have D-backs and Gators, and Magic now have Cobras and Mallards, or no, sorry, Mallards and Eagles. So I think yeah, that's I mean- the difference, and that's why I see the Wildcats making the playoffs. Like, I think they still have a chance, but I'm going to be honest. I know we, like I said, it's been such a small portion size. Nick Saylor, unless he massively improves his pitching, Nick Saylor is going to be, I think, more of an Andy Durant type player. Um, just he's he's a good hitter. We've seen him hit pretty well, but his pitching is what lost the Gators game three. Yeah, or lost the Wildcats game three. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, like you said, they need Aguilar as their second pitcher, and they need his hitting. Sailor's a decent pitcher. I mean, Sailor's a decent hitter. Kyle Schultz, obviously, best hitter of all time. But, um, you know, Ryan Kelly's is not doing anything for them. And here's what I have to say. I am surprised that the walk-off the Gators had and a couple of the other runs or so-called hits, I cannot believe they didn't rule them as errors. Ryan Kelly dropped five fly balls. They were line drives. I meant he dropped five line drives. He cost he cost the Gator. He cost the Wildcats game two. The Wildcats were gonna win game two, but Kelly he dropped the ball. And that was shocking to me because what were the Wildcats known for? What is the biggest one of the biggest reasons they won the twenty eighteen World Series? Fielding. They're fielding. Yep. Ryan Kelly, he ne- he didn't have much worse at the plate other than walks. What was he big on the team? Why was he worthwhile to keep on the team? He was one of the best fielders in the league. And to see him, I I think I, if I was the official scorer, I would have ruled him errors. Um, and it was a total of, like like I said, three or four errors. You look and for a, sure free, a surefire fielder in Ryan Kelly, for him to make what I would consider errors is completely shocking to me. Which is why I think the Wildcats are in desperate need of Michael Aguilar right now. Yeah, also, don't forget about Pirac. Pirac, um, 
doesn't I think he might be anymore. a little bit overrated as a fielder. Still a good fielder, but might be a little bit overrated just because he had that one top sports in our top ten play, which did a lot for the league. But, um, no, yeah, but still a very good fielder, and he can help them out a lot. I also think he's not the best overall hitter or contact hitter, but when he makes contact, that he can it, change the game with the swing. I, I mean, I know last year the the I, he actually showed up in nine games, which I thought he only showed up in three. Um, but the game he played, when he hit a bomb, you knew it was gone. But yeah. his problem was his swing slowly lost any semblance of a good swing that he had in 2018. Yes, he only batted like 240 in 2018, but still he hit what was it five or six home runs? Yeah. And he hit and it, he hit some big ones that important games. Exactly. I mean I think it comes down to the pitching but also the hitting because you look at some of the swings these players are taking. You even look at Kyle Schultz. I notice very small details like this, but he's changed his batting stance that he's had ever since the beginning of the league. And his batting he seems to be in a very laid back stance. The very laid back swing. It it seemed especially at Colts Field because that's all we've seen him at. It seemed like he was trying not to hit the ball out of the yard and trying to keep it on the ground. Yeah. And we know. I think if he tried to hit it out of the yard, like we know he could. I think he was trying to keep it competitive in a way because he didn't want to make it seem like he was taking advantage of using Colts Field. Mm-hmm. But. He, I think he easily could have hit three or four, maybe even five home runs in the, that series. Yeah. Just based that. on what we know of Kyle Schultz as a hitter, the, the 10 years he's played in this league, he is the founder. He is, he is the pinnacle of the me, like medium pitch whistle ball league. Yeah. Um... I think the thing about Kyle Schultz is I think now that the league's becoming more serious and more professional, I think he cares more about the league than he does about himself or how he plays. So that's not to say, you know, he's not good anymore, but I think he's lost a little bit. But I still think he's a very good player, top half of the league for sure. Probably still going to be an all-star, but... um, I mean, the thing with uh, Kyle is he's so immersed in the business side of things. I know we didn't get to talk about it and I've only got a few more minutes here. But, I mean, I don't, this might have been serious. This could be semi-serious, but Big Cat from Big Barstool Sports, he legitimately said, I want to buy the MLW. Yeah. And Kyle, Kyle, if you listen to the Pipe It Up podcast, which I'm pretty sure anyone who listens to us does, he said, he's. He, I mean, we know he got on Barstool Sports radio station. Yeah. He's been interviewed by a newspaper in the United Kingdom, The Guardian. I've, mm-hmm. I've read that new paper online before, and that's a pretty big paper in the UK. And so this just should, it's going global at this point now. Yeah, which is huge. So, I mean, I definitely see where you're talking about with uh, Kyle focusing more on running the league than improving his team. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's it's very it's it's what everybody wants to see, and um, you know it's very 
special to people that have been a fan for a long time to see it really take off like this. But um, I think that's a good that's a good note to end on. And um, you know, thanks for coming on. It's been fun. Uh, we had to cut it short a little bit because you have to. We you didn't have as much time, but it was fun to get back on after being a while. So thanks for coming on. And thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll see you later.